0: Welcome to a special Rewind episode of the Raise Your Game Show, where we dive back into some of the most impactful episodes from previous seasons. If you're a new listener, I highly recommend you make time to start from the beginning until you get all caught up. If you're a longtime loyal listener, I hope you enjoy hearing these highlighted episodes once again. Either way, I appreciate you listening, and I hope hitting Rewind helps you raise your game. Here is one of my favorite episodes played in its entirety
1: ladies and gentlemen can i
0: please have your attention and i need all of you to stop what you're doing
1: and listen welcome to the raise your game show a podcast that unpacks and dissects The strategies and principles of high performance in sports and business. Here's your host, Alan Stein Jr. In
0: season one of the Raise Your Game Show, I went back to my vault and pulled out eight of my most powerful interviews ever. From the likes of Gary Vee, Kevin Durant, Mark Cuban, and Brad Stevens, and re-explored their timeless wisdom. In Season 2, I unpack the power of storytelling and take a deeper dive into 12 of my all-time favorite stories, six of which are signature stories I tell regularly in all of my keynotes, workshops, and trainings, and six stories which I've rarely told publicly before. I believe captivating storytelling is the most effective way to teach lessons and inspire behavior change. In this season, I hand-selected two good friends and colleagues to share their unique perspective on these stories and to get clarity on the application these lessons have in their areas of expertise. In this episode, I am joined by David DeWolf, the president and CEO of 3Pillar Global and the best-selling author of The Product Mindset, Succeed in the Digital Economy by Changing the Way Your Organization Thinks. David is one of the most prolific business leaders I've ever met. David and I are going to dissect and discuss my signature story of the first time I saw Kobe Bryant work out and why the best of the best never get bored with the basics and how this directly applies to business leadership. Let's take a listen to this story when it was performed live on stage during one of my 2019 keynotes. I can't believe it's been over a decade, but back in 2007, Nike flew me out to Los Angeles to work the first ever Kobe Bryant Skills Academy. Uh, Nike brought in the top high school and college players from around the country for an intense three-day mini camp with the best player in the world. And I know some of you follow hoops, but I don't know if everyone does. Uh, So let me paint the picture. In 2007, Kobe was the best player in the game. Michael Jordan, who everybody's heard of, had already retired, in fact, twice at that point. And LeBron James, as great as he was, he was still climbing that mountain. In 2007, Kobe was that dude. Well, an important fact about me, I've spent my entire life in a basketball bubble. Basketball was my first identifiable passion and I fell in love with the game at five or six years old. So I had always heard the urban legend of how insanely intense Kobe's individual workouts were. Well, now that I was on his camp staff, I figured this was my chance and this was my shot. So at my earliest opportunity, I walked up to him and asked if I could watch one of his private workouts. He was incredibly gracious and flashed a smile and said, sure, man, no problem. I'm going tomorrow at 4. And I got a little bit confused because I had just got done looking through the camp schedule and the camp schedule said the first workout with the kids was the following day at 3.30. And and Kobe recognized the confused look on my face and he quickly clarified that with a wink and said, yeah, that's 4 a.m. Well, as a room of high performers and high achievers, you guys realize there's not really a legitimate excuse in the world on why you can't be somewhere at 4 in the morning. At least not one that a guy like Kobe's going to accept so I basically committed myself to being there and I figured if I was going to be there anyway I may as well try and leave my mark I may as well try and impress Kobe and show him how serious of a trainer I was so I came up with the plan to beat him to the gym so I set my alarm for 3 a.m. and the alarm goes off and I jump up and I quickly get myself together and I hop in a cab and I get to the gym now when I step out of the cab it's 3 30 in the morning it's pitch black outside, and yet from the parking lot, I can see that the gym light is already on. From the parking lot, I can even faintly hear a ball bouncing and sneakers squeaking. I walk in the side door, Kobe's already in a full sweat. He was going through an intense warm-up before his scheduled workout with his trainer started at four. Now out of professional courtesy, I didn't say anything to him and I didn't say anything to his trainer. I just sat down to watch. And for the first 45 minutes, I was actually shocked. For the first 45 minutes, I watched the best player on the planet do the most basic footwork in offensive moves. Kobe was doing stuff that I had routinely taught to middle school age players. Now, don't get it twisted, this is Kobe Bryant. So everything he was doing was at an unparalleled level of intensity. And everything he was doing was with surgical precision but the actual stuff he was doing was incredibly basic. Now, the whole workout lasted a couple hours and when it was over again, I didn't say anything to him, didn't say anything to his trainer, I just quietly left, but my curiosity got the best of me. I had to know. So later that day at camp, I went up to him and said, Kobe, I don't get it, you're the best player in the world. Why are you doing such basic drills? And again, he was very gracious and smiled, but he said with all seriousness, Why do you think I'm the best player in the world? Because I never get bored with the basics. I never get bored with the basics. Kobe Bryant, the best player in the game of basketball, said I never get bored with the basics. And as a young coach, for me, that was a a life-changing lesson. And that's just because something is basic, that doesn't mean that it's easy. If it was easy, everyone else would be doing it. But as you all know, we live in a world that tells us it's okay to skip steps, that tells us it's okay to circumvent the process, that all but pushes us to chase what's hot and what's flashy and what's sexy and just ignore what's basic. But as you all know, the basics work. They always have and they always will. And the the very first step to improving your performance in any area of your life personally or professionally, individually or organizationally, is admitting that the basics work, but it's also having the humility to acknowledge that implementing them with consistency is never easy.
1: That boy's good. That's right. He ain't lying. And now, Alan and David will deconstruct this
0: story and dissect the most impactful lessons. Do you remember the first time that you heard me tell that story and what was your initial response or initial reaction to it?
1: I I actually do. Um, And it's one of those stories that, As you're telling it, you begin to think you know the end of the story, right? But there were so many twists and turns that took it to a new level that I was just kind of blown away. And I was amazed by the attention to detail, the... Just awareness of how important basics were. Yeah. And um, I think it really just helps you sit in. And when I translate it to a business setting, right? what yeah. I think of, it's amazing to me how many times I see leaders or professionals who are excellent at certain parts of their craft, but don't do the basics right. right. Gotcha. They don't manage their time. They don't respond in a responsive, timely manner to an email. I love that. Those types of things. And I remember that hitting me of like, how relevant is that for a business audience as well? And what can we learn from these athletes? Say what? It's amazing to me how many times I see leaders or professionals who are excellent at certain parts of their craft, but don't do the basics right. right? Gotcha. They don't manage their time. They don't respond in a responsive, timely manner to an email. I love that. Those types of things. And I remember that hitting me of like, how relevant is that for a business audience as well? And what can we learn from these athletes? And and for sure, do you remember, were you reflecting on, all right, what are my basics? Yep. What, what are
0: the fundamentals that maybe I'm not paying attention to? And what is the footwork that I need to get back in the gym and start to hope? Yeah,
1: I'll be even more vulnerable than that. I, I would say it was an aha moment for me oh. of actually getting back to the basics in some of my own personal life, awesome. of realizing that I think oftentimes about the basics in my professional life, mm-hmm. but when it comes to eating well, yeah. when it comes to making sure that I'm rested and ready to go for my team, right? In that story, Kobe beats you to the gym for a 4 (laughs) a.m. workout. Right. You've got to be really darn rested in order to be able to do that. Right. Absolutely. So I, absolutely. My alarm goes off every morning at 5 a.m., not 4, but 5 a.m. And I, I get going with my day then. But how many times do I not go to bed on time? And because of that, Man, I'm not at peak performance. And I can't have the level of precision he had in that workout because I'm not rested. I love that. That type of thing hit me in the face. And, and I will say since then, my health, I, I've lost over 20 pounds since that period of time because of just thinking about that and thinking how sometimes we think of basics when we're actually thinking about the intermediate level skills. For sure. Like take it down one more level. Like what are the real basics of my life? And and sleep, eating, health exercise, those are all things that in the last couple of years since I first heard that story, and especially in this Past year, I've been able to make great strides on.
0: I love that. And those things also have incredibly high utility because not only does that make you uh, a better husband and a better father, but having more energy, being more fit uh, helps you at in, in work as well. I mean, Undoubtedly. You, with the company that you run here and the team that you manage here, you have to be high energy. Have you to. have to be alert. You have to have your, your critical thinking uh, on. Like yep. all of that needs to be done. So yeah.
1: the, the other thing that that story reminded me of is the, the The time of day he does that workout is the time where research shows we are at peak performance, right? We have more willpower than ever in the morning because we have a reservoir that gets depleted throughout the day. For sure. Right. And so, reminding me, that's when my peak performance is too, right? So, so now in the morning, I have my morning routine that I've gotten better and better at being disciplined around where I'm not just waking up and exercising and having my prayer time in the morning. I am also saying, you know what, I'm dedicating dedicated, deep work time to do the mental work that I need willpower so I can be the best I can be at that point in time when I'm doing thought work. I love that. Right. And and I think all sorts of lessons you can tease out of stories like that.
0: For sure. And, and one of the things I remember being so profound was that that was not what I was anticipating. Mm. I was expecting that a player of Kobe's level, you're talking about a world champion, uh, one of the best to ever play the game. Uh, I was expecting to go there and see a whole lot of sizzle and see a whole lot of flash uh, because I had always equated the basics with someone that was a rookie and someone that was a novice and just starting at something. So for him to show me firsthand that it's the elite of the elite that what makes them special is that they don't get bored with the basics. That was, it was just an epiphanal moment for me.
1: And and I'll put another aspect of that in there that I think is relevant to leaders is not being embarrassed by the basics, right? He invited you to come watch that and he, he couldn't care less that you were watching him do the most basic things. One of the realizations I've had since that period of time of focusing on the basics and, and learning this lesson at a deep level is that I need to be willing to take to my team. Yeah. Right. A leadership retreat that we have, an annual planning seminar. And you know what we're going to talk about? We're going to talk about some pretty basic stuff. It's not high highfalutin business strategy. No, no, no. We're going to talk about team. Let's talk about building trust in relationships between yeah. each other, right? Let's talk about how are you all managing your time? let's talk about these things that so often we ignore because we are like, what are people going to think if the CEO of a company walks in and wants to talk about trust and relationships? No, no, no. That's basic. We can't perform well as a team if we don't have this basic in place. Let's work on our relationships. For sure. We can't perform well if we are wasting time, right? All of those things. Absolutely. Now, do you find,
0: is that a hard sell sometimes? Because I know, yeah, because I know, especially even when I was in the basketball space convincing a player that you don't need to do what you saw Kevin Durant do last night on TV. That's right. You need to do the building blocks that he did 15 years ago that now allow him to do what you saw him do on TV. But it is a hard sell to anyone.
1: Yeah. And and I guess what I would ask you, I'd be really curious to know, does Kevin Durant ever actually practice that incredible, wow, whatever he does on TV, or is it so many just building blocks of basics that it just naturally comes out? It's a little bit of both. Okay.
0: Uh, I, I a player of that level has the acumen to do things very uh, spontaneously and in uh-huh. the moment. So yep. I wouldn't say every single nuance that someone's seen him do, he's rehearsed in practice. Yep but a lot more of it has been practiced than one would think. Okay. Uh, And that's what I find phenomenal. And what I remember, especially about Kobe was his approach. He, he may have this end move in mind. You know, I'm going to do a, a shot fake to a reverse pivot to an up and under move with an offhand layup. So you've got several different segments of that move and he would just take one block of that and say, okay, I'm just going to practice the shot fake portion right now. And I'm going to do hundreds of repetitions until I've mastered that. Yep. Then I'm going to move to the next segment, which would be the reverse pivot. And not only am I going to practice the reverse pivot, but I'm then going to combine those two pieces and I'm going to do the shot fake to reverse pivot hundreds of times and then adds three and then adds four. Uh, And then of course, in a game like basketball, then you're also adding different counters. So a guy like Kobe says, if I do a reverse pivot and the defender steps in that direction, well, I can't complete this move. So now I need to do something different. And to me, it's, it's a very similar approach. Uh, What I would imagine something you have more experience in is on the business. Side. Yeah. And, and maybe let's take a skill like listening, yep. like how important it is to listen, whether you're in sales, uh, whether you're in the it portion, whether you're in a leadership or executive position, yep. the ability to listen, I think is a skill
1: that has very high utility. And I would say with that. Put that concept back to what you were describing about Kobe. Yeah. Right? There are skills, very basic skills like active listening. Of course. Right? That I'm going to take an active role in listening and show you that. Well, that is one skill that in a conversation is one of many skills you need to piece together. Yes. And so being deliberate about, you know what? I'm not a very good listener. I'm going to go actually practice Active listening, and I'm going to refine the skill, but then becoming so good at it in the moment, you can change and use that skill in concert with practicing empathy. Absolutely. In concert with. Convincing in concert with all these other tools that you have with a leader. And I think what we fail to do is break it down into these individual skills that we have to be able to use in real time. True mastery comes from not following the direction, right? Right. But being able to use it in a moment that you have like the word mastery over it, right? You truly can use it for what it's used for and add the art of combining it with other things. Say what? True mastery comes from not following the direction, right? right. But being able to use it in a moment that you have like the word mastery over it, right? You for truly sure. can use it for what it's used for and add the art of combining it with other things.
0: And and I love that. I like where you went with that. And when we talk about mastery, uh and, and again, Kobe Bryant is an example of someone who came as close to mastering his craft sure. as one could come. Uh And I, I like the approach that you just took. I mean, I'm hearing two things. One, it's an adherence to the basics and the fundamentals. undoubtedly, And it's combining that with sheer repetition. Uh, But not just mindless repetitions, not just going through the motions, but actually doing repetitions, what we call game reps in sports, Mm -hmm. which is, can I practice the skill the way that it's going to be utilized? So uh, if I'm a sales professional and I'm going to go on a sales, have a sales meeting with someone, am I practicing, say, even through some role-playing? Am I going to practice? different scenarios behind the scenes during the unseen hours that will allow me to perform that skill at a higher level when I'm ac- when it's actually real and when it counts.
1: That's right. And when you do that practice, do you break it down into the individual skills so yeah. that you know what they are or do you just say, okay, we're going to role play? Yeah. It, that is so broad. It's like, okay, we're going to go play a game. That's, that's not Kobe's workout. Right. Right. It is, okay, at this point in time, this is the specific thing we're going to practice. For sure. And then being aware of Based on the response in the room, I'm going to read the room, and I may have option A, B, or C, and I need to be able to make a judgment call in the moment. For sure. Um, now,
0: obviously, I'm the one that tells the story, so I'm a mm-hmm. little bit closer to it. And I know I, you've probably heard it two or three times now. At I've least. done some yeah. stuff with you yeah. guys. Um, One of the things that I find is kind of a hidden nuance in the story that a lot of people don't pick up on is the fact that I mentioned he had a trainer there. Yeah. So there was someone working with him. And and this is one of the secondary Mm. messages that I want people to know, that no matter how good you get at something, we all still need a coach. Yeah. We all need someone to teach us and to hold us accountable and yep. and you know it wasn't just Kobe in there doing what he thought was best. He was working with a trained professional whose entire job was to make sure that Kobe yep. could raise his game and he had to be very open to that. And yep. the other part that that reason coaching is so important is because we can't see our own blind spots. So Kobe has the self-awareness, I'm assuming, that maybe if he didn't have the right angle of his footwork, he could probably pick up on that most of the time Mm -hmm. because he's so good. But he can't see every nuance. He needs another pair of eyes there saying, you know, you need to change the degree of your foot or you need to reverse pivot a little further or you need to move your shoulder this way. And he has the humility to be open to that type of coaching. And I want to make sure that's a message that everyone understands that no matter how Mm. good you are in anything, all of us still need coaching.
1: I could not agree more. It's funny. I never picked that part of the story up. So I, I even though I heard it a few times, so I, I love that you called that out because I, I do agree with that. Um, and even, you know, it, it's funny at the point in time I first heard this story, I was involved with, a, I had a coach as well. Yeah. Was helping me, and his focus was all on the basics. Uh-huh. Um, and it, it was about these things, but I had never called it that. For sure. Right. We had been working on different aspects of where I'm weak and not naturally inclined. Um, but I, I think we... Um, we are afraid of that sometimes. We see outsiders, coaches, um, counselors, those types of things as a sign of weakness right? as human beings. Um, and I think we need to get over that because it's the only way you get stronger. I will also say, though, I think sometimes there's too much of a reliance on a pure professional coach For sure. and not enough on our peers, our friends, right? In a team, you know this, the best accountability comes from your team members. Absolutely. Not from the coach. Say what? I think sometimes there's too much of a reliance on a pure professional coach. For sure. And not enough on our peers, our friends, right? In a team, you know this, the best accountability comes from your team members, absolutely, not from the coach. Well,
0: well, let me ask you this because I mean, you you are the head of Three Pillar. You are the uh, apex of the actual org chart. So then, how do you balance? I'm sure you. You want to have the, the, you want everyone to know that you're in charge. You want everyone to know that, that you've worked hard on your craft and that you're there to serve them. Yeah. But how do you balance that with, and one of my favorite traits about you, cause I've mm-hmm. known you for a while now is your humility and vulnerability. Mm. How do you balance that with guys? I'm here to lead you to the promised land. Yeah. But I also recognize that I don't have all the answers and I'm still working on myself.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And I'll tell you, because I think it comes a little bit more naturally for me to lean on that side. Nice. Um, I I actually struggle more often with the opposite, which is when it comes time to make a decision – who is this guy? We're not used to this, Oh. right? Because I am very much somebody that likes to pull people in. It's just raw and authentic. And I, I don't have a problem admitting weaknesses uh, for whatever reason. I don't know why I'm weird like that, but I, I've, I've been able to handle that. But I do struggle more often when there are really smart people in the room yep. that I really respect. And it comes time to call the ball and yeah. say, this is the decision we're making, that is a discipline, that is a skill, a basic thing that I've had to work on over and over and over again and say, nope, this decision is going too long, this is my call to make, two of my direct reports disagree, it's time. And here's the secret that I've found in that, for those that are are like me and struggle in this direction, the secret that I have found is that I have to actually make it clear to my team that we've reached that point. So there are certain meetings I'll go into and say, guys. Um, I just want you to know I haven't made a decision yet. And this is a conversation because I need your help brainstorming and coming up with the right decision. Yeah. There are others I'll go in and say, it's time for me to make a call. And I just want you to know I own this decision and I need a little bit more input, but I'm going to make the call. I and, love that. And creating that clarity allows people to know what role I'm playing. Because sometimes I'm a team member, right? I'm, I'm kind of a player coach. Of course. It's one of my and, favorite things about you. And, and sometimes... I've got to be the actual coach on the sideline and call in the play. And somebody has to call the play. So that that's how I've handled it. On the other side, the part that I, I'm more inclined to of, of showing weakness, I will say I have just been fortunate to see over and over and over again how, as human beings, we react to vulnerability and authenticity. Yes. Now, don't get me wrong. People can take advantage of it. Of course. They absolutely can. But when you're talking about leadership, and leadership is – Very different from management. Yes. Management is coercing people into doing what you want them to do. Leading is motivating and inspiring them to reach something that you both want to accomplish that's greater than either one of us could by ourselves. I love that. Okay? Now, in that moment, people know your weaknesses. Yeah. They know you're not perfect. If you really want people to believe in you, if you really want people to say, you know what, I want to be behind that. I want to go tackle that hill for sure you've got to be real you've got to be authentic right because you're not coercing them into them you're not trying to convince them you're smarter you're just trying to help them see the vision and that you have a grounding in reality that's allowing you to see the gap between where you are today and where you want to go
0: i love that and
1: if you are hiding who you actually are as a leader if you're not being vulnerable if you're not being humble if you don't admit that your ideas aren't the best ones they start to question that reality they Does this guy really have a sense of reality? And if so, are we ever going to get to that place because we're not going to deal with what we need to deal with? So I find it not only to be comfortable because I've lived in that, I find it to be the most effective leadership tool is to just be yourself, to be authentic, to be humble. Scary sometimes, but an incredibly effective tool. And it's a basic
0: tool and it's a fundamental tool, but as the moral of that story is, just because something's basic, it doesn't mean that it's easy. So as you just said with great insight and great clarity these are basic being decisive is a fundamental basic Yep. Being decisive is often not easy, especially when there's a lot on the line with the decision that you have to make, uh, especially as you said so perfectly, when the decision you're going to make is actually going against the grain of your number two and your number three. And yet in your gut, using your experience and your expertise, you really believe that it is the right thing for the betterment of the entire group. That's right. That's really hard to
1: do. And if you are able to be that humble leader and they know that you have their back and the team's best interest in mind... Even if they disagree, they will be aligned. So yeah. too often we confuse agreement and alignment—two oh. wildly different things,
0: right? Explain explain the difference between the two. I yeah. love that because as a wordsmith, I'm fascinated by that, yeah. and I do think people probably use those two words as if they're synonymous. And I agree with you—they're not. Yeah,
1: yeah. You know, it, you and I can pick a subject. Doesn't matter. We can disagree about the conclusion or a judgment call, right? Yep. Um, We'll go back to basketball for a minute. Sure. Right. You can have a team of players that disagrees with the out of bounds play that's going to happen in the last yeah ten seconds of a game. They think it should be another play. They should think it should be another play for whatever reason. Yep. Right. However, if you have a team environment where everybody is respected and everybody knows they have a voice and everybody trusts each other, they're going to step back and say, "Hey, there's no right or wrong answer here." Right. What matters is we're on the same page. And I feel like I'm respected. I feel like my voice has been heard, right? And, and in this situation, it may not be in the moment. You don't of have course. time during that time out to like debate the answer, but right. in a business setting you do. Yeah. Right? Let's debate this. And if you allow people to put their ideas on the table and you truly hear them, you really respect them, then you say, I hear you, I respect it. Maybe even I've modified my plan slightly to yep. account for your input. But I'm going to make a different decision because it's my decision to make. You can still have alignment because alignment is about all of us moving in the right direction in the same direction. It's not about everybody agreeing with that specific decision itself. Sorry, what? But I'm going to make a different decision because it's my decision to make you can still have alignment because alignment is about all of us moving in the right direction in the same direction. It's not about everybody agreeing with that specific decision itself. I love
0: that. Never heard it put that way. So even though I disagree with the play that you just called, because we're in alignment, I'm still going to go out there and execute my role in that play to the best of my ability because of my
1: belief and faith in you that you've made the right call. That's right. And that I'm an important member of the team. That's a key part that people often lose, right? It's hard to get alignment if you don't respect those team members and actually have a trust relationship with them.
0: For sure. Uh, One other concept I want to cover that I believe is more than likely a basic fundamental of someone in your position is the ability to delegate Hmm. uh, and the ability to surround yourself with team members that may be strong in areas that you have the self-awareness to know you may be weaker in or may find challenge in. And then being able to delegate that. Uh, with trust that they're going to do the job well. Uh, yep. You believe in them and you know they're competent enough. So talk yep. a little bit about the the basic and fundamental of delegation in an organization.
1: So I'll, I'll say not only is it a difficult skill, right? Not easy, but basic. Yep. For an entrepreneur CEO, even more so. Because for the entrepreneur CEO has grown up and has probably played almost every role within the organization. and sure. can do it. Um, And so I think especially difficult in that situation. I think that's a nuance that matters. Um, What I have learned over time is that doing what you just said very deliberately, which is hiring people that are better, smarter, more seasoned than you, is how great leaders are able to succeed. It is very hard to delegate to somebody that you don't actually believe can do it better than you. For sure. Because right. then you'll micromanage them. That's human nature. That's exactly right. And that right. doesn't help anybody. That's right. So bring people in that ele- elevate you. Bring people onto your team that are more skilled, are deeper in the area that you are delegating to them so that you learn something from them. Don't be afraid to admit they're stronger. Yeah. Don't be afraid when you go interview for that position to bring other people in to help you decide if they're better than you. Yeah. Right. If that's not your area of expertise, i never forget the first time I hired a CFO. I'd never hired a CFO before. I didn't have a finance background. As an entrepreneur, I'd done the books for a few years, but I didn't know what being a CFO was. Right? I had a board member help me with that interview who was a public company CFO at one point in time. She knew what the job was. Yeah. Right? And that was really, really important. And going through the interview process with her, I actually was able to learn how to manage that position better, even though I had never performed it. But because I looked for the best of the best. I was able to actually delegate that and say, even though I've been making our budget models for the last six years, not mine anymore. Go, run, right? And so I think that's the first thing is you've got to hire people better than yourself. Um, The second thing you have to learn to do is to tell people what the objective is and what you want accomplished, not how to accomplish it.
0: It's so powerful.
1: I can't believe how many times people think about delegation as I need you to do these 16 steps. It's not delegation. That's micromanagement. Yes. Right? Delegation is, this is the hill we need to go climb. Figure it out. Yeah. And if you hire somebody that's better than yourself, they're going to figure out how to climb that hill. They may not do it the same way as you. Right. And it's hard. And it's an ego hit sometimes. Yes. But it's essential.
0: But – and the message you send them is one of empowerment that David, I don't care how you get us to the top of this hill. Mm-hmm. I believe in you and trust that you'll get us there. So go do your thing. Totally. Whereas uh, the opposite, if I give you this 16 step checklist and I tell you exactly how to do it, I need you to be a carbon copy of me. I'm really sending you the opposite message. I'm undermining you and telling you, David, I don't believe in you. I don't trust you. In fact, I think you're such a bonehead that if I don't give you these 16 steps, you'll never get us up that hill. And one's going to strengthen
1: your relationship with that person and the other's going to erode that relationship quickly. That's right. Now, I will say in doing that, let's say you got through step one and step two, right? You've hired somebody that is better than yourself. You've delegated by telling them, hey, here's what we are going to accomplish. You empower them to be able to go off and run. One of the mistakes I see people make way too often is abdication at that point in time, right? Abdication is the opposite extreme of delegation. It is just as important that you come back in and you provide your experience, provide your context. So you may see that instead of your 16-step process, they have a nine-step process that is totally different. Fine. No problem. But if something strikes you as, you know what, I don't understand this, yeah. or hmm, I wonder, or if it actually doesn't work out, yeah. doesn't mean that you just walk away and say, oh, I've delegated. Right. Right. As they're going through the process, ask a question. Hey, I, I'm, I'm curious. Can you explain to me, like, the way I was thinking about this? I would have thought about this. Have you thought about this aspect that I think you may not be considering? Yeah. Right? They may have a great explanation of what. you're like, okay, great. Yes. Right. But too often, people just walk away. When they're delegating. And so what happens is they get failure because they have abdicated and they say, oh, see, delegation doesn't work.
0: If you'd like to read about this signature story in my book, Raise Your Game, you can order a team set for everyone in your organization. I can even offer you a 40% discount and can sign each copy. And if you really want to raise your game, you should check out my new facilitator guidebook and team member workbook two reinforcement resources to help guide your team to higher performance. Just visit raiseyourgamebook.com or email me directly at allen@allensteinjr.com at for more info or to order now. Well, that's it for me. I hope this has helped you raise your game.